Hey, it's Josh Cohen from the Orlando Magic, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Garrett, Mikey, and Paul. Go Magic! In order for the magic to work, you have to truly believe in the magic. What's up, Magic fans? I'm Mikey, and welcome to this week's episode of Penny for Your Thoughts, the Orlando Magic UK podcast. Today is Saturday, the 4th of June, 2022. Uh, I'm really happy to uh, to have our friend Paul back this week, who's uh, had a few rough weeks, but uh, it's great to have you back on, mate. Yeah, mate, thank you. Um, it's brilliant to be back. I was, I was due to be back on last week, and Gary, thanks for stepping in last minute for me. Um, it's yeah. Everybody knows that uh, I lost my mum two weeks ago today. Um, it has been a rough period. Which she'd been in hospital three weeks prior to that as well. On and off, so it's been a rough five weeks. Um, and I've got to say, everybody, thank you, thank you, thank you, from the absolute bottom of my heart. I know I've put it out on Twitter. I know it's on Facebook, um, on the Orlando Magic UK side. But the support and love, incredible. Um, thank you. Thank you. Well, we all send you a love, mate. Uh, yeah. It's great to have you no, back thank on. Thank you. No worries. And uh, and we've got Gary with us this week. Geraint's on holiday. He's uh, taken over the role of calamity this week. He can tell you about that next week. He's been making trips to the nurse on holiday this week. So I'll leave that till next week for him to tell you. But uh, Gary, how are you, mate? All good. I'm just obviously stepping in for the uh, card of Cosma, so I'll do my best. But I won't. <laughs> I'm not in the uh, in the season, so there'll be no ref rant. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so this mate, week, how we... is... go on. Sorry, I was going to ask you, Gary. How was the trip to Wembley? Absolutely brilliant, mate. Um, I like the fact that going to Wembley now and um, having this, shall we say, the pre-match. Um, takeover of Trafalgar is now universally known as doing a Sunderland even in our <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah congratulations on the promotion yeah Bob. thank you um, just got buyouts happening next apparently takeover yeah yeah fingers crossed Been long overdue mate long yeah. overdue well we, we need to congratulate our guest on promotion as well Philip's a, a big Fulham fan <laughs> So uh, next season, we can have some banter with uh, Paul's Leeds and my Liverpool teams next year. So uh, it's good to see Fulham back in the Premier League, Phil. Yes, absolutely. It was a, it was a heck of a season for, 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 my, for, my, for my boys. Um, nice, nice to cheer for a winning team. And, and of course, now that it's a, it'll be an, an odd-numbered year, we'll have a really bad season. We'll be back, we'll be back down to the championship. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes, apparently. Excellent. Well, no, it's definitely Fulham, Fulham deserved to go up. They were uh, they were outstanding, and, and I'm interested class. to see what uh, Fabio Cavallio is going to be like for Liverpool this season. So, uh, good signing. So, uh, this week we are joined by the site editor and expert for OrlandoMagicDaily.com and host of the Locked On Magic podcast, Philip Rossman Reich, or AKA as uh, Jonathan from the Sixth Man Show called you the other week, the pod father, which <laughs> has to stick. You need to change your uh, your your Twitter handle to the pod father now, Phil, I think. Uh, I, I might I might have to, especially with the with the work I've been doing on, on the podcast the last the last week. Um I will I will gladly accept that that title. 
Um, if only, if, if only I just have to make sure I get the respect and the, and the permission to, to use that title from the Godfather himself, Evan Dunlap, the original writer for third quarter collapse and Orlando pinstripe post. Um, I know Evan does not like that. I call him the Godfather, but, uh, but he, he has to, he has to take that title nonetheless. Yeah, mate, you've got, you've got to change it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, let's let's dive into a bit of magic news. Uh, yesterday, it was announced by Adrian Wojnarowski uh, that the Orlando Magic executive Matt Lloyd will be leaving to become the senior vice president of basketball operations for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Matt Lloyd spent ten seasons with the Magic. Um, how big of a misfit is he going to be for uh, Jeff Weltman and John Hammond? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's going to be a pretty big. It's going to be big shoes to fill, and you know, I think mm-hmm. I think that that Jeff Waltman, uh, you know, has he's been in the league a long time. You know, I, I think that he'll be able to pick up some of the slack as will as will John Hammond. But uh, you know, Matt Lloyd, you know, was it, what his role was with the team was he was in charge of the whole scouting department. So he's in charge of kind of gathering all the information. Uh, running the Magic's draft preparations, especially like he's the one that kind of starts building those databases, starts like kind of getting in, consolidating scouting reports. He's the guy that, you know, all these assistant GMs, what they do is they consolidate information. You know, they work, they work on their own, give the best information that they can give to Jeff Weltman, who's ultimately going to make the decisions. And, and that's, that's just, that's just kind of how it works. Um, Lloyd's obviously been part of this organization for a decade now, for 10 years. And so there's a lot of you know, even through two general managers, a lot of institutional knowledge there. There's a lot of understanding mm-hmm. of, okay, this is, this is, you know, there, there, there's obviously a process that's been developed and a process that everyone feels comfortable with. Um, but there's a lot of institutional knowledge of like, okay, this is someone I can talk, I can trust to talk to about players in the Midwest, or this is someone I can trust and talk to about international players. And, and, and Lloyd's been in the league for a very, very long time. Uh, I believe his first job with the Chicago Bulls was back in 1994. He was hired full-time there in, in 1999. So he's he's been in the league and has developed contacts throughout the league, not just for college scouting, but also for pro scouting, which is also under his purview, um, that that are really valuable to, to a team. I mean, you know, uh, I, I remember Rob Hennigan talking about this um, during the Tobias Harris trade, one of the first deals that, that Rob Hennigan did, uh, it, did that first season. Um, you know, he said, you know, something that I leaned on when I was making, when I was deciding to, to target Tobias Harris or require Tobias Harris was information that I got directly from him or, or remembering the interview that I had with him back when he, back when Hennigan was with Oklahoma City, when Harris was going through the draft process. Um, and I'm certain, I'm, I'm fairly certain that there's also a database or a bank of information that the Magic had that they kept from the previous regime on Tobias Harris too. So it's. It, I always. I always joke that these front offices are like mini intelligence agencies. Um, they they're constantly gathering information. You know, figuring out who these players are, filing it, saving it in case they need it to go out and get another player. So you know, Matt Lloyd. Part of his job was probably like back a few years ago was probably figuring out like, okay, Markel Fultz is on the table here. Who is this kid really? Who is this person? And and trying to figure out a who he is as a player. What's going on with him as a player when Philadelphia is certainly not going to share their secrets with anyone because um, they're trying to get rid of him, trying to pump up his value, trying to figure out who he is really. And 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 I think that you do have to give someone like Matt Lloyd credit for being able to kind of decipher this information, not just for college prospects, uh, but also for pro prospects and, 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 and having that extensive network to, to get that information on very quickly you know, consolidate and give it to the decision makers is, is obviously super valuable. And that's why the magic have valued him and why he was one of the few guys 
that stayed over between Rob Hennigan and, and now Jeff Weltman. And so I, I do think that it's a big loss because you just, you don't replace the trust number one, and you don't replace kind of the, the knowledge that, that someone of that experience has. Is there, when, just going further on this, is there, a, is there a good time for this to happen? And is this a particularly bad time for it to happen so close to the draft? Uh, you know, I don't think there's ever a good time for this to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the only good time would be like August, September, when off season's essentially done. You're just preparing mm-hmm. for the season. And and that's 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 kind of when everyone's that's what everyone in the NBA takes their vacations. Um, but this is the hiring season. You know, Tim Connolly has to get ready for his own draft with Minnesota. Yeah. And I, I know Minnesota doesn't have uh, I don't think yeah, Minnesota has a late first round pick. Um, so they've got to prepare, they got to prepare for the draft themselves. And so this is the hiring season for executives. You know, Tim Connolly coming from the Denver Nuggets, he's not going to be able to bring a lot of his staff over from Denver. He's going out and grabbing guys that he likes, that he trusts. So, you know, I, I made this point, uh, uh, when, when the announcement was made that yes, it's, it's tough that you're losing someone that's been part of this organization for a long time and has been really important to this organization, but it's also good. And it says something good that uh, a, a executive of Tim Connolly's level, you know, on a playoff, on a playoff caliber team in Minnesota wants one of your guys. It's it, it, like, like uh, I, I'm a Northwestern fan uh, and Northwestern for like eight, nine years had the exact same staff. And that stability is great. But at the same time, a lot of us fans were thinking like, well, why are, you know, we've been really successful over this last decade with the same staff, essentially, why aren't other teams trying to poach our coaches? Why aren't other teams trying to grab our guys? That that says something too, that people don't want, you know, this is, this is a weird business where you poach people, people don't want your people. So it, to me, it's, it's somewhat of a good sign that someone did want Matt Lloyd. Um, to the other point, is this a, a, a bad time? Uh, I really don't think so, actually. Um, you know, I think Matt, Matt Lloyd was actually on a, a podcast with Valley Sports Florida. I think it's called Miked Up. Um, and he noted, I think, in that podcast that essentially the draft preparation is done. Um, they've yeah. done all the scouting reports. They've reviewed all the film. You know, they, Jeff Waltman has all the information that he needs to pick these players. The really only the missing piece left in the draft process is bringing players in for an interview. And, you know, Matt Lloyd would, would have been involved in those interviews. But Jeff Waltman and John Hammond, for the most part, are going to be there, too. And, and other draft, other people within the scouting department, you know, now we'll just have to pick up some of the slack with some of these interviews and workouts that are going on uh, at the Amway Center. A lot of that's negotiated through Weltman anyway with agents. So I think I think in that sense, a lot of Lloyd's big work as far as preparing for this year's draft, a lot of his job on that was done. Uh, it's it's now up to Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, kind of the big decision makers to get a feel for for the players as people and, and begin to make their decisions that way. Well, thank you. Yeah, quality. Well, before we dive into the the first round pick and Jabari, Chet, Paolo specifically, Phil, take us back to the night of the lottery. It was a huge night for the Magic, obviously getting the number one pick. You were downtown at Harry Buffalo with the Sixth Man Show and, and the Magic's watch party. Can you tell us what it was like being there and how it felt that night to to finally get something to to go our way? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the big thing was you know I'll. I'll a, it was just—it was great to just have all the, all these Magic fans together. Um, you know, it's 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 obviously you know the arena is the arena the arena is great, and and I think Magic fans have really responded to this team specifically. I think there's a a lot there's just a lot that 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 about this team that that people are really excited about. Um, 
but you could just kind of sense that there was both a, a joy to be around each other, but, but also some trepidation about the lottery process. You know, I remember mm-hmm. talking to fans and, and, and fans were just happy to kind of have this space to come together, you know, meet up, meet up with people. There's, there's not a lot of us out, a lot of us out there. So, you know, especially the diehards, when we get a chance to really come together, it's, it was, it's, it's usually pretty special, but, you know, just talking to fans, everyone was just like, look, and I, I was this way too, honestly, let's just get in the top four. If we get in the top four, if we win the lottery, that's, that's, that's a victory enough. You know, we could convince ourselves into four or five guys in this draft. I would tell, I told people like, look, there are seven guys that I'm really comfortable with in this draft. Uh, the magic, the magic aren't necessarily going to lose here. And obviously like being the top pick is better. Having a higher pick is better. Um, there's certainly a higher caliber prospect, but you know, I, 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 I've always just kind of taken the take of the lottery is the lottery. You can't control yeah. it. And, and you just, you just, you just got to let it play out how it's going to play out. Um, you know, but I remember I was sitting next to Don, to Dante Marcatelli um, and, and he was just remarking about how wild it was. And, and I, you know, I told him, and I think he agreed with me, you know, magic fandom is just dormant. It's not gone. People still love this team. They just need a reason to come out and cheer. And, and you could yeah. see as the picks were being revealed, you know, once we got to six and five and the magic weren't there and they hit that commercial break with the top four, everyone was just happy. It, like we all knew we won. We were, we were you know, somewhat playing with house money, but with each pick that was revealed after that, you could just feel the crescendo just building and, and, and everyone. And, and we just, none of us could believe that it actually happened for this team again. And, 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 you know, again, you know, we were talking, you know, not to bring these things into it. Cause we, I don't think we do it for the traffic, but like we were talking about it before your traffic's up, my traffic's up. There's, there's a ton more interest in you. And you can just, again, just, just feel the excitement about this opportunity. The magic have. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to ask you, Phil, what do you consider to be the magic's most urgent need? And do you believe that any of these top three picks, the top prospects that everybody is uh, listing, actually address that requirement? You know, I think that the, the biggest need that the Magic have is a star. Um, they they need a guy that just ties this whole project together. Um, you know, you look at the teams that advance deep into the playoffs. They have a guy that can just get you 30 on a night when you need 30. Um, that can just carry you deep in the playoffs that defenses just can't stop. Um, and I, I know we're talking about a team that had 22 wins and jumping all the way up to, you know, championship contender is a long way and it's going to be a process, but you need to be building and thinking about how to build toward that team. And I look at the Magic's roster now, and there are a lot of really nice players. Franz Wagner is fantastic. Wendell Carter is fantastic. You know, Markel Fultz, you know, we'll see what he looks like with a full offseason now is fantastic. There's things to like about Jalen Suggs. There's things to like about Cole Anthony. There's things to like about guys up and down this roster. But when you look at this roster and, and again, maybe this guy develops, they're, they're still so young. The thing that they're lacking is that guy that just ties everything together. Um, you know, I think one of the big struggles the magic had last year was Cole Anthony tried to be that guy and he's been that guy his entire life, but in the NBA, he's found it a lot more difficult to kind of create his space to, to get into the paint consistently, to finish at the rim consistently <laughs> He, he's really kind of struggling that role. And again, he could continue to get better. We saw plenty of flashes that he, he, he can get better. Um, but the big reason why the Magic struggled offensively is that, you know, Cole Anthony was the leading scorer. Cole Anthony was the guy that was kind of driving the, driving the ship for most of the year. Um, and, and again, that's no offense to Cole Anthony. I think he, he's a second-year player. He was put in a really rough situation. Um, we saw how successful the Magic starting lineup was when they were fully healthy. So there are hints that that certainly this team can continue to get better on that front. But the big thing that this team needs is they need a star. And, 
you know, I think that the top three guys in this draft, the guys that most people have been talking about for this top pick, Jabari Smith, uh, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Bancaro, all three can get to that level. Um, Paolo Bancaro is probably the closest to that level immediately. If you're looking for a short, short-term thing, Bancaro can step in, I think, be a 20-point scorer fairly quickly. Jabari's going to need some work. And, and Chet, Chet, I think, is just he's just a unique player. They're, they're just not players like him in the NBA. And, yeah. and you need that uniqueness, too, to, to force a defense to figure out what to do with a player like player like him. So, you know, I, I think I think the Magic are obviously in a really good spot here to get a, a really high high value, high quality player to their roster that's going to help them kind of hit that next stage of their development, whatever that is. I think because of that as well, we've said this before, that all three of those guys will really want to come to Orlando because they have that opportunity to step in and be an instant star. Yeah. And obviously there's prestige with the number one pick too. You know, I think, yeah. I think in the past, I think in the past, you know, magic have drafted guys that weren't able to come into Orlando or just didn't come in for workout. You know, Jalen Suggs never came to Orlando. I don't believe Mo Bamba ever came to Orlando. Um, when you're drafting fifth, you know, agents, you know, not that the man, I think magic have really good relationship with agents, but agents are trying to put their, their clients in the best position possible. And, and sometimes that means you're, especially nowadays, it's, it's, it's kind of flipped now where agents are, you know, asking you to come to kind of uh, kiss the ring almost, to kind of come to their home court to where they're comfortable uh, and where they control the setting. They're not going to these places or to these uh, organizations and kind of getting the free agent tour, doing a workout, you know, doing all those things. That that was, you know, a decade ago. That's what a lot of people, a lot of these top prospects were doing. They were on the on the circuit too. Nowadays, agents set up their pro days. That's when you see them work out. It's very controlled, and then they kind of select the teams that they want to talk to talk with and 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 bring it and bring in. And but when you have the number one pick, I think that's very different because everyone wants to be the number one pick. So I think the Magic will get all three of those guys in Orlando here very soon. Yep, good times. So Phil, one thing I wanted to to ask you because uh, everyone talks about last year's draft being one of the deepest we've seen for quite a while with Kay Cunningham, Jalen Green, and and so on. Where would you rank? Bancaro, Smith, and Chet Holmgren in amongst last year's prospects. So if they were in last year's draft, where would you rank them in and amongst those sorts of players? Just to give people a bit of context. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that, I think that Cade, Kate Cunningham and J- Jalen Green and probably Evan Mobley are probably better than all three of these guys, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we're talking about, um, you know, at least especially, when it comes to kind of pre-draft analysis and pre-draft, uh, pre-draft uh, thinking, um, last last year's draft class was very, very good. Uh, you know, if the mag the magic did a good job, you know, finding the draft to have two first round picks, um, just like kind of you know, like uh, unfortunately for this year's draft class, next year's draft class is already shaping up to be a very good one too, um, and that's another draft where the magic are likely to have two first round picks as well. Um, you know, at least for now they have, they have two first round picks in that draft with the, with the Chicago pick coming from, from, uh, from the Nikola Vucevic trade. Um, you know, I think that, I think that this trio of players would slot in really, really comfortably in, you know, maybe in the pre-draft conversation, I think Evan Mobley is probably ahead of them, but in that tier with Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes, um, you know, you know, the, the, the players kind of in that range. So I think we're still dealing with very high level prospects here. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think, I think when a lot of people think you're getting the number one pick, especially in magic history, magic have gotten number one picks with sort of generational talent. Um, you know, they had 
the number one pick in the Shaq draft. Like that was everyone, the, the story about that, that draft lottery is every single team had a jersey underneath their desk with Shaq's name on it already. Like everyone knew who the number one pick was going to be. And obviously yeah. Shaq became a Hall of Famer. Uh, the next year, the Magic drafted Chris Chris Webber. Chris Webber was far away considered the number one prospect that year. And it was a shock to some people when they traded down for Penny. But, you know, I've had some other podcasts kind of ask me like, hey, what would it take to trade the number one pick? And I give them the same line Pat Williams gave Don Nelson. Give me six first round picks. This is like, that's a joke. But this this is like back then for the Chris Webber draft. That wasn't so much of a joke. That was a negotiating tactic. You're not getting six first round picks. You're not getting three first round picks for trading down from number one here. Um, in 04, when the Magic drafted Dwight Howard, um, there was a legitimate debate between Dwight Howard and Emeka Okafor, but, uh, but you know, Dwight Howard, you know, was a lot of people said like the, this kid's upside is really, really high. This, you know, he's going to be really good. And obviously he's become a, a you know probable hall of famer off of that. Um, this is at least as we're sitting here today, of course, someone could surprise. There's no runaway guy here. There's a reason why we're debating between three players for the top yeah. pick. I think there's three really good cases uh, for all three of these guys, uh, you know, to be the number one pick. I don't think, Anyone should begrudge begrudge that, and and unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, timing is something in this in this league. If it's next year's draft, it's clear who the Magic would be taking. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned to you guys about this about this before we started recording. Um, you know, Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson are already guys that NBA scouts are buzzing over. They're already looking ahead to next year's draft, which you know I don't like to do, but you know, like I I'm an NBA guy. I focus on the NBA, but even I know who those those players are. And I've watched some tape on those players and and understand that, that it's a big draft next year. This year's draft just isn't considered. It's certainly not that deep. Um, You know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the, the potential trade back into the first round, but I'm struggling to figure out who the magic would target if they did that. Um, And this is a draft that, you know, doesn't, that, that doesn't have, that has very good players at the top. Don't get me wrong. These are good players. I'm not here to insult that, but these are not, surefire, multi-time all-stars, multi-time all-NBA players. These are guys that are going to need some development. There are some questions about them. Uh, they should still be very, very good, but you're not looking at a general, you know, we're not looking at Anthony Bennett bad, but you're not looking at kind of generational talent good either. Yeah, Philip, you mentioned before about how um, Bancaro could come in and be almost like the 20 points per game guy out of the gates. If you were projecting a little bit further and you were given a choice between, say, Bancaro and Jabari, who had seen as the two big scorers of this draft, who would you go for on scoring ability for the Magic as a longer term? In the longer term, ooh, that's that's a good question. I mean, I I, I think it's I think it's still really hard to to project because there's still I, I think there's still a lot about Jabari's game that we don't know, and there there's a lot of questions I think about how best to use. How how bad how much more Jabari can grow and develop? Um, right now, like Paolo Bancaro, you can dump him the ball in the mid post, the low post. He'll get you a basket. Uh, he he can be an he can be kind of an ISO score. I think his three point shot is a lot better than he's shown. I think he'll continue to improve on that, and that's obviously kind of a a big thing for him, kind of taking that next step up. Um, but you know, I, I, my question with Paolo Bancaro is okay if. If he's not that starring player, what is he doing? What? How much better can he be? He's already a pretty good passer. I think he's he's a lot better a passer than than, than people give him credit for. Um, and so there's all the ingredients for him to be a star. Like I've kind of compare, I kind of compare him a lot to Carmelo Anthony in his in his play style and in his body type as well. I don't think he's as good of a scorer as Carmelo was at Syracuse in college, um, but he's very much of that ilk. And and so the you know the question that I've kind of, I've kind of flipped the question around on a lot of people is. With these three players, 
it's not about which player you like the best. It's more about what team do you actually want to build? Um, what, what kind of team should the magic be? And, and, you know, if they want to be, uh, you know, here's our pivot, here's our central pivot score. Paolo Bancaro is your guy. If they want to be more of a team that has a little bit more free flowing offense, if they want to be a team that, uh, has, you know, this, this great floor spacer, this defensive minded group, Jabari Smith is probably more their guy. And that's why I think the magic are probably leaning closer toward Jabari Smith. Um, to, I've, I've taken to comparing Jabari a lot to Rashard Lewis. He's got Seattle Rashard Lewis's uh, athleticism with Orlando Rashard Lewis's shooting, um, which is, which is a really dangerous, dangerous, uh, 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 you know, mix for, for, for defense. Uh, he's already, he's a fantastic defender. Uh, he should be an NBA level defender right when he steps on the floor. He is a great three point shooter. He had some big, he had some big three point scoring bursts, but the way Auburn used him didn't really showcase what more he could do. He was, a, he, he led that team in field goal attempts per game but a lot of three-pointers, a lot of catch-and-shoot three-pointers. And so the question I think that a lot of scouts have about Jabari, and they, I think they see that he can get there. It's just a matter of getting practice with it and getting better at it, is can he be? Can he create separation and create his own shot? And, and I think that's really the big question because I made that Rashard Lewis comparison. Rashard Lewis is a great player. Two-time All-Star, Orlando Magic legend, will be an Orlando Magic Hall of Famer sooner than later. Um but Richard Lewis isn't the guy you build your team around, um, if, mm. if that makes sense. And, and, and so yeah. if you want to make this a draft where you get that central star, I understand the questions about Jabari. About Jabari. Now, having said that, um, I don't think we saw everything Jabari could do. I, I, think, that, I think that the way Auburn played, um, the way that they, they kept the ball in their guards' hands a lot, uh, kind of set Jabari up to, to, to only showcase that shooting that shooting ability rather than his potential for driving and, and creating his own shot. So I think, I think there's plenty of room for him to grow. And he's, of course, as, as always, all these kids are 19 years old. They're going to get better. That's an excellent answer. And it's, it's a funny one. Cause I think I'm, I'm just like every other magic fan right now, where it depends what hour of the day. Yep. That's the <laughs> who, I, who I like. And um, Bancaro is the one who intrigues me the most out of the three is just because I don't know actually where his ceiling is. I think his floor is probably Randall, but I think his ceiling could be a lot higher. He, he, he could be really, really good. I mean, you know, I've been, I've been very in on, on Bancaro. Um, you know, I, I remember tweeting this and, and I bring this story up a lot, you know, when I really got kind of bought into Bancaro uh, was uh, in the NCAA tournament against Arkansas, against Arkansas. Um, Duke was up big that entire game uh, throughout the entire first half. They kind of jumped out to a big lead. Uh, and in the middle of the second half, Arkansas brought the lead back down to five. Um, and Duke essentially, they needed a basket just to stop the bleeding. And so for two straight possessions, they dumped the ball into Bancaro in the low post. They cleared out for him. And so in, in a big moment when Duke needed a basket, they, like they couldn't afford not to score, um, they turned to a freshman more than anything else, they turned to a freshman to give them a basket. He scored two baskets, brought it back out to a nine-point lead. Duke Duke went on to win easily from there. This was about the six-seven mark, six-seven-minute mark of the of the second half, and and that game was over. Once Bancaro hit those two shots, they got two stops. Uh, it was it was over. Like Arkansas wasn't going to threaten them the rest the rest of the game. So to me, like it's not everything, but it does t- say something that in clutch moments. That's the guy that Coach K trusted uh, more than more than anyone else. Like Coach K said, we need a basket. Just go get us a basket. That's the, and that's obviously like that's obviously the biggest thing the Magic have been missing for 15, 20 years now. It feels like. 
Absolutely. And you mentioned as well um, when you were talking about trading down in the draft and a team that's meant to be rumoured to be shopping their picks, the Sacramento Kings. And I was just wondering, do you think there's anywhere where the Magic would look at that pick um, and what would it take to get that from Sacramento? Yeah, uh, I, I actually, you know, I, 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 I've been sort of toying with the idea of trading back up into that into that fourth pick and and trying to sneak back. You know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because you know, obviously, the Magic had. Uh, or not obviously is kind of slipped under the radar, but um, according to Kobe Price, the Orlando Magic uh, or of the Orlando Sentinel, um, the Orlando Magic uh, interviewed Keegan Murray of Iowa um, earlier this week, um, and it has been no secret that the Orlando Magic like Keegan Murray. Um, you know, I, I remember John Hammond did uh, did a radio spot um, uh, in Orlando here uh, on 96.9 The Game uh, right after Markel Fultz came back, and the interviewer. You know, asked him a lot about a lot about Fultz and what it meant to have Fultz back, and he, and and the interviewer at one point I think asked John Hammond, you know, what, how did you feel what you know watching him play? And John Hammond kind of, you know, John Hammond's the loosest lips in the in the entire organization, um, kind of let kind of let slip that, uh, you know, actually I, I wasn't at the Amway Center. I really wish I could have been. I was on a scouting trip. I was in Iowa uh, watching a prospect, and so it, it doesn't take long to figure out who they were watching that day. Um, yeah. Uh, and so the magic interviewed Keegan Murray at the draft combine. They brought him in for an interviewer. He's not considered a top pick. Like he's a very good player. He checks off a lot of boxes that Orlando likes. Um, but I, I, I don't think that he's, he's not of the same caliber of, of, of prospect, um, as the three guys that we're talking about. So could the magic trade up to, to get trade up or down to get to four and take Keegan Murray? Um, you know, I think the magic are open to and listening to everything, um, you know, I think that they need to consolidate some players for sure. I think that they have a really full roster um, and they need to figure out, okay, who do we actually want to build around? Who are the guys that we really, that we really want to build around? How do we make them better? Uh, and then how do we build, how do we kind of fill out our roster so that we can be, that we can achieve our goals this year, whether that is making the playoffs, making the play in tournament, or if it's just kind of general like progression and improvement. Um, I, I'm a big believer that in the draft, you go get your guy. Um, if, if the magic really like who they have at one, and then they really want Keegan Murray, you know, there isn't necessarily, you know, th- I think there is a cost. You don't want to overpay for someone like that, but, you know, trading a future pick, yeah. I wouldn't trade a pick in next year's draft, but trading a future pick, you've got those two second round picks that you probably don't want to use. Um, that, and that, that's not part of the general joke about the magic using second round picks. Um, you have guys like Terrence Ross that you probably don't have much use for anymore. You know, you have a lot of players that duplicate skills um, that aren't, that, and young players, especially that aren't going to be able to find the same minutes next year. Um, mm. You do have to start thinking about, okay, how do we actually build a functioning roster? Um, you know, you don't want to, I, I agree. You don't want to ruin the vibes, but you definitely explore some things. So, you know, I don't, I don't think the magic event, I don't think eventually the magic climbed that high, but it wouldn't surprise me if there are discussions and they are exploring some things. This is, this is one that I, I want to ask. It's going to kind of build on the, the answers that you've just given, Phil. Um, so when it comes to the draft, are you best player available or are you the best fit for the team camp? Uh, I'm always best player available. Um, you know, the draft is the draft is literally just 
can you guess better than anyone else? Um, nobody really, <laughs> nobody really knows if any of these guys are going to pan out. Like, sure, there's generational guys that are just so good that it, it that they 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 bowl over anything in their way and 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 any impediments in their way. But um, at the end of the day, like your job in these drafts is get the best player that you can get. Um, get the be- get the guy who's going to contribute and help your team the most. Um, especially when you're drafting at the very t- top of the draft. You cannot overthink it. Uh, that's how you end up, you know, picking Sean Bradley over Penny Hardaway, to be frank. Um, that's 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 how you end up making mistakes is you overthink the top of the draft. At the end of the day, especially with the way the NBA is going now, um, talent is more important than position. You can make players fit together. You can get creative. There's no orthodoxy to how to play. Like, sure, you need a big to help rebound. You need, you need certain things. And, and certainly when you get to the playoffs, it becomes about matchups. But at the end of the day, talent wins. You know, State Warriors have built an entire legacy on just destroying teams with their three-point shooting. Use Raymond Green as a free safety at center uh, for a lot of for a lot of their lineups. They just they you know they 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 flipped their first title because they put Draymond Green at center, and everyone thought that was crazy, but it worked. And 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 so you you, you the fit is really more about how do we make these puzzle pieces fit together. And 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 obviously where the Magic are at right now, look. I know, I know some people hate me for saying this, but you are what your record says you are. This was a 22-win team last year. They're going to get better just from internal improvement. They're going to get better by adding a high-level prospect in this draft. Uh, but there's still a lot of work that this team needs to do. This team needs to find ways to get better. Um, and, and when you're that low in the standings, you need everything. You're not tied to anything. Like, you know, yes, Wendell Carter's a nice player. Franz Wagner's a nice player. There's there's a lot of things to like about Marco Fultz. I'm not saying they should give up on any of these guys, panic and make all these crazy trades, but they need to be focused on, okay, what kind of team are we trying to build? How can we shape this team into what we want to shape it in? Uh, and then figure out the fits around the players that are kind of holding the thing up. And I think right now we're at the stage of <clears throat> let's find the players that are going to be the tent poles for this, for this team moving forward uh, and then move on from there. Okay, so from that position then, taking the best guy available <laughs> who are you taking assuming we keep the number one pick yeah no um this this uh, more often than not i'm taking jabari smith um you know i think that i think that a, a he's got the highest floor um you know again that's not a reason to pick a guy but i think he's not only got the highest floor. i do think he has uh one of the higher ceilings of this group um i think that a his three-point shooting is super valuable um that's obviously something the magic are, are missing i think his defensive versatility is super valuable uh, the, the fact that he is already, you know, not that Chet Holmgren's a bad defender. Chet Holmgren's a really good defender. Um, but the fact that Jabari Smith is already, uh, uh, pr- seems like he'll be a pretty high level defender, potential all defensive defensive team player. Um, that's hard to find. That that tells me a lot more about his mindset than anything else. Um, you know, I was talking with uh, Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn, and he said, you know, this guy just wants to work. This guy just wants to get better. He believes he will be the best player. And that that's uh, obviously he's an Auburn guy. He's going to, back his guys going to say um, that, but, but you want to hear that. Um, and, and I think that, you know, Jabari, I think that Jabari Smith can get there. I think the questions about his ability to create off the dribble, you know, certainly it's going to be a struggle. Certainly it's something he's going to have to get better at and create separation, but he's just so big that I, I think that he will figure it out. I think that he has all the makings to be that kind of a player. Um, and, and if he hits, he's going to be really, really good. Uh, and if he doesn't quite hit there, He's still going to be really good. He's still going to be a Rashard Lewis type, who's a you know again multiple time All Star, you know a foundational player for a championship team. So I, I think that I think that Jabari Smith kind of checks all the boxes that 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 I like here 
uh, with this pick. Um, more often than not, that's where I land. Uh, like you guys, I do change hourly sometimes, um, but but I, I I tend to land on on Jabari here. I think what we're saying there is for me, I've still not watched an awful lot yet. I've, I've got to get around and sit down and watch these guys properly. But I keep, I'm, I'm more angling towards Bankero or Smith. But um, I'm not going to cry if we end up with Chet, because let's be fair. No, don't. As we said earlier on, there's a reason that we're debating the three. Mm. And it's that they've all got qualities. So if we end up picking, whoever we end up picking, there's no, for me, there's no point. No, we should have gone with this. We should have gone with that. Because everybody can, as we've said, with the power of hindsight, there's uh, plenty looking at uh, Jordan Paul saying, why didn't we pick him? What was it? 14 teams passed on him. 13, 14 teams passed on him. We can... Everybody everybody missed on Jordan Paul. He was in the G League for a while. Yeah. You know, I I look at it as we've got to go with what we get. And... Those three prospects, all from what I'm from what I'm reading and seeing, and I say I've not gone into it deeply yet, have huge upsides. So I'm not going to cry whoever we get. Who's your pick, Gary? You change this week? I'm probably still. I'll probably still chat. I just think on upside and what he could be, and I keep going back to that feeling I had before the uh, Dwight Ogafor um, draft and. Back in the day, I remember there was a lot of people going for Ogafor, and I just thought if if Dwight hits his upsides, crazy. And I think if Chet hits, he could, he's above yeah. the other two. So I'm right now, but it's easy for me to say when I'm not standing there saying that make the call. You know, it's easy for me yeah. to say. So it's Chet right now, but it, it does change a lot. I feel, throw I've, it back to you then, Mikey. I, I I don't know. I feel a little bit more confident this week. I've said Chet, I think, was who the Magic would go for the last few weeks. But Jabari's been my pick. But I feel like he's maybe starting to separate himself a little bit in my head. <laughs> Whether that's actually true, I don't know. But um, no, I was, I, obviously last week we talked about uh, we talked about Chet's frame, Phil. I know that's a big a big red flag, a big question mark for a lot of people. And I, and I, I've been a personal trainer for the last 15, 16 years. And I was trying to explain to people last week, why I'm worried about Chet's frame, not as a player, not as a skill level or, or his ability. He he's got the frame of a person who is always going to struggle putting on weight. And obviously you don't want him to, to put on so much weight where it affects his ability on the floor, but his, I found pictures of his dad online. And if you look at his frame, because guys tend to mirror what their their dad's frame was like, what their body type was like. And his dad's the same build. He's got narrow shoulders. He's very, very, uh, not fragile looking necessarily, but he's very slim. And people compare it to like Kevin Durant as a rookie, Kevin Garnett as a rookie. These guys that come into the league with with small frames, but Chet's still like 14, 15, 20 pounds lighter than these guys were in their rookie season. So there's going to be a ceiling on how much weight and strength he can actually build, um, which worries me. <laughs> Does it yeah. worry you as well? I mean, it it it, it worries me uh, in, in a lot of ways because it's, A, there's the whiplash of all the injuries the Magic have had the last few years. So I think there yep. is, you know, injuries are random. I don't think you can plan for them, but, you know, I've compared Chet a lot to Kristaps Porzingis uh, and Kristaps has had a ton of injury issues. Now, obviously 
the ACL was something separate. And, and, and I think he's had a lot of issues kind of branching off of, of that original ACL tear. Um, but it's, it, it's definitely concerning. Um, you know, I think, I think the magic are probably better equipped to ease Chet in um, mm-hmm. and, and help him and kind of hide those deficiencies. Um, I, I think that having a center like Wendell Carter next to him, um, you know, I've, I've kind of joked around with people that my conspiracy theory uh, for the year was that the magic played Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter together as a kind of uh, 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 proof of concept for playing Chet and Wendell together. Um, and, and there's some success there. There's no doubt there's some su- success there. Um, I, I, I think that, I think that Chet, I think that Chet can, obviously you can put on some functional strength. He's going to be in an NBA weight training program. He's going to have the best, you know, kind of health scientists um, that, that the magic can, can, can hire to kind of help out with that and figure and figure out a way to keep, to get him strong, keep his mobility, keep him healthy, get him through an 82 game season. But um, I, I do think ultimately, you know, you're going to run into some problems. You're going to run into some issues. You know, you watch, you know, there were a lot more teams playing two bigs in, in the, in the playoffs and throughout the season this year, but, uh, and I think that Chet can hold his own on the perimeter and hold his own uh, on the floor. But, you know, you're going to eventually run into that problem. Like we can't have two centers on the floor. And so you're facing Philadelphia in a second round series. They're going small. They got Tobias Harris out there. Can you really have Chet Holmgren defending Tobias Harris? You know, you're going to eventually need him to play center. He's going to eventually going to have to play his size. And, and, you know, I give Chet a ton of credit. I, I know some people are a little gun shy about Chet um, because, you know, the last kind of gangly center the Magic drafted was Mo Bamba and Mo Bamba, you know, as good as he was this year, as much as he kind of recovered a lot of his value this year, um, it, he, he was a struggle with him and he struggled with injuries. Um, Chet, Chet is not Mo Bamba play style wise. Um, Chet likes to take a bump. He will take a hit. He will try and dish out some punishment, some physical punishment too. Um, and, and I love that he's not afraid of afraid like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that also is going to lead to some problems. You know, I, I think as fun and exciting as these unicorns are, there's always going to be that question of the human body was not meant to move that way when it's that big. Um, you know, like I think a lot of these big guys have these kind of recurring injuries um, because just the, the physics and biology of it sometimes doesn't doesn't work. Um, that's not to say the magic should take Chet off their board or not consider him. He's he, if there is a generational talent in this draft, it's Chet Holmgren. Um, there are just not seven footers that move with his fluidity. I don't think we saw everything that Chet has to offer at Gonzaga. Gonzaga had a paint bound center and Drew Timmy, who is just, who's a better college player than Chet Holmgren is. Um, and so Chet had to play a role. Um, you know, he wasn't the star of that team. He was playing a role and, and some of the guards that, Gonzaga had were really rough, um, you know, uh, that, you know, just their shooting was just not good either. Uh, and so they needed Chet to help space the floor a little bit to help that team win. Um, Chet, Chet can do a lot more. Um, and so there is that potential of, okay, if this guy really is that high upside, again, again, take the best player available. If that's, if, if you think he could be the best player, you, you take him and, and you start and you understand the risk. You understand what you're going to have to do to get him ready to play or get him ready to get through a season or, or what you may have to deal with over the course of time. Uh, but you, you invest in the guy that you believe in at the end of the day. And there's plenty of reason to believe in Chet. Again, there's just not many seven footers who move with his fluidity. Um, go, you know, don't necessarily watch his Gonzaga tape. There's some really good clips from his Gonzaga days. Watch his tape in high school um, in, in the AAU circuit, especially. He is taking the ball off the glass on a rebound and going full court, stopping and nailing threes. He's doing behind the back dribble moves to get past 
perimeter players and get to the basket. Uh, he, he has a lot of tools in his bag that I don't think he showed at Gonzaga uh, and, and figuring out, okay, what are the pros and cons? Can, can, can we overcome this hurdle of the potential injury risk, which, you know, again, I think is there, I think it's fair to, fair to debate that and fair to see that. Um, can we overcome that risk to, to get him to the level that, that he can fulfill all that potential that he seems to have? So at the moment, we have no idea which way the Magic are going to go. <laughs> uh, we probably have no idea about the second round either because uh, they've, they've got a history of trading away second round picks. But looking at the early early second round, obviously the Magic had got number 32 and 35. What do you think Orlando's strategy should be with those two picks? With When you consider the Magic already have eight players under the age of 25. That doesn't include bringing back Mo Bamba and Bol Bol. Um what, what, how would, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I think, I think the, I think the first thing to magic, if I were the magic, one of the things that I would be trying to do is I would be trying to package either both of those picks or one of those picks with Terrence Ross to move back up into the first round. Start, start, start to consolidating with these draft picks a little bit. Yeah. Um, Terrence Ross has obviously kind of made it clear that, that he would like to be playing somewhere else, um, wants to play for a contender, just doesn't want to be part of a rebuild, which is perfectly understandable. I think most Magic fans yeah. Yeah. agree with him on that, on that front. Um, and so trying to find a, a good trade partner, trying to find a home for Terrence Ross, um, I think is one of the big priorities for the offseason. Uh, so I would try and do that in this draft. Now, uh, trying to figure out which player I would target if I'm the Magic is a little bit trickier. This is the, 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 the quality of this draft class, especially for what the Magic need, shooting number one, um, drops off pretty quickly. After about pick, I would honestly say pick nine or 10, from 11 to you know, 11 all the way down to like 33, you're, you're really splitting hairs. It's going to be a really unpredictable draft night. I do think we'll see a lot of trades, uh, if not on draft night throughout the course of the season because of the free agency, uh, because of how, how narrow the free agency, narrow, narrow the free agent class is. Um, so if I'm the Magic, I have a couple, maybe three or four guys that I'm really comfortable taking in the, te- in the late teens or early 20s um, and just going all, just going in on that guy, you know, going in on that player. It could be Nikola Jovic. It could be, yes, there's a player named Nikola Jovic in this draft with a V. <laughs> um, it could be Bryce McGowan's from Nebraska. It could be Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. It could be Jalen Williams from Arkansas. There are two Jalen Williams in this draft. Um, uh, no, they're spelled differently. Um, it could, it could be Jalen Williams from Arkansas. It could be Ismail Kamigate uh, from Spain or Khalifa Jop, um, who I believe was also in for a workout an interview earlier this week in Orlando. Um, the Magic, I think, need to be need to like find the guys that they that they're really interested in, um, mm-hmm. and and just target a, a playoff team that doesn't need a draft pick, that doesn't need a first round pick, doesn't need that guaranteed salary, and try and trade back into this first round and just take your guy again. It doesn't have to be conventional thinking at that point. Um, just just grab a just grab a guy that's going to help your roster and fill a need. Um, I think the Magic need a backup center really badly. I think the Magic need. Uh, some wing depth, and they need a veteran. So if you can get a veteran uh, back for Terrence Ross and uh, a, a draft pick that fills a need, uh, I think that that would be a really that would be a really good step to take here in the back end of this draft. You think T. Russell make it to opening night then, or do you think it could happen on draft night? Um, I, I think that I think that Terrence Ross will be traded uh, before before the season. I, I don't think he starts the season in Orlando. Um, whether it happens on draft night, I think is is. Uh, a question uh, I've been, uh, we're doing the, the locked on ultimate mock draft right now um, where we do do trades. 
I have been trying to shop Terrence Ross to every playoff team in the twenties. And, you know, he had a really rough season and, and, and two second round picks two high level second round picks isn't being enough to, to trade, trade in. Um, Orlando has a ton of cap room this off season. So I think that what the magic are going to do with their cap room is they're going to look to get involved in some of these trades and they're going to use Terrence Ross as a vehicle to, to make trades happen, but they're also going to use their cap room to make trades happen too. Um, this is not a good free agent class. Um, the Magic have, I think, roughly $30 million of cap, cap space to spend this offseason. The, the, the pickings for the Magic, for what the Magic need, are frankly pretty slim. And, and I think that you're going to find it very difficult to convince some of these veteran free agents to come to Orlando um, and, and kind of stick it out with the rebuilding team for a little while. I think the Magic need to kind of prove that they're ready to win and ready to win at a bigger level uh, before they can really play free agency. And so since it's a tight free agent market, since there aren't a lot of free agents out there and there's not a lot of teams with money, I do expect a pretty active trade market. Um, there's obviously a lot of teams that need to get better and a lot of teams that want to make splashes. Um, and, and, and I'm sure, again, I, I think we, I, we, I know we talked about this before we started recording, Next year's draft is pretty good. Um, so I think there's going to be some teams that are going to be willing to to kind of hit the reset button pretty early on this if they don't feel like they're a playoff team or playoff contender or they're just spinning their wheels. And they'll be just like, this is the draft to kind of kind of push push our That's chips it. in a little bit. Um, so I think we'll see a lot of trades. Um, and I think the Magic can be a third team in a lot of those trades where they move Terrence Ross to a playoff team. Uh, you know, they take on, you know, they get some extra draft picks for the future. Uh, they take on some bad salary in the present um, and and add to their roster uh, that way. Um, I, I think that that's going to be part of the Magic strategy this offseason is really working the phones to kind of to be a facilitator uh, for a lot of these trades in, in what is a very tight market. It makes sense. Makes total sense. You've already named a couple of the players that you've kind of quite like in the second round. Assuming we keep one or both those picks, what is it about any of those particular players that you like? Yeah, uh, some of it is just positional need. Like uh, I look at this Magic roster and one of the problems that I see is is you just can't play everybody. Um, you know, you do get to a certain point of the draft where positional need does matter. Uh, and because you want to draft, you know, again, not that you want to take a player that you don't think is as talented as anyone else, but you also want to take players that will have a pathway to play. You want to make sure that you're picking someone that's actually going to contribute to your roster and actually yeah. do, do something. Uh, and you look at this magic roster, um, you, everyone's mentioned that it's already super young, which, which is a concern for me as well. Um, but they're pretty full at almost every position. Um, the only two positions that are really of need are, I think they need one more wing, especially a shooting wing, if they can find one. Um, and they need a backup center. Um, you know, again, their, their center rotation right now is Wendell Carter, Mo Wagner. Mo Bamba's still hanging around out there. I think there's still a chance that the Magic re-sign him, but, um, and, and that, that would fill that need, obviously. But I do think that the Magic need to find some, some backup center help. So, you know, I look at a guy like, like Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams from Arkansas. Uh, would be a, a really good backup center in this league. He, I think he led the nation or he led the nation among centers and charges. Uh, he's just a, a defense. He's just kind of flying around defensively. He he really gave Chet Holmgren a lot of fits in that NCAA tournament game. I was able to get him into foul trouble. Not going to add a lot of offensive skill, but he's just flying around defensively, just plays with a ton of energy. Um, and that's obviously, obviously fits the culture the Magic want. Uh, and that's obviously going to help you kind of get to make a name for yourself in the league. That's how Robert Williams kind of established himself in the league. And obviously he found a really good fit for him that really gave him a narrowly yeah. defined role where he could really succeed. That's the kind of player that, that a Jalen Williams is, um, you know, a guy like, Ish, it, I haven't watched a ton of Ismail Kamigate or uh, Khalifa Jop yet, but 
uh, those guys are, you know, good shot blockers. They're just kind of big bodies. You know, they, you may not be able to move them around much on the perimeter, but they, but you know, they'll they'll fill the need you you typically like from a backup center, just a rim protector to kind of fill those minutes on the on the back end uh, of of the lineup. Um, you know, I, I think Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, the Santa Clara version. I think he's probably played his way into the into the first round, so I don't think he'll be there in the second round. But he's a really interesting point guard prospect, a guard prospect. I think he can play both guard positions. He did measure with the, I think it was the second or third longest wingspan among non centers at the NBA draft combine. So that checks that box. Um, uh, um, so I think that, I think that he's got a lot of really interesting skills. I think his three point shots improving, but he's really good at getting into the paint. And, 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 and so there, there's, there are some guys that I really, that I really, really like, um, you know, if they want to take a little bit of a swing, uh, they can maybe go after one of the G league Ignite guys, uh, Jaden Hardy at one point was considered uh, a surefire lottery pick. He really struggled this year uh, in the G league uh, with the minutes that he got, um, was not a particularly good shooter, really kind of struggled in the paint, but he's super, super talented. There's a reason those guys are at the G League Ignite. Um, Marjan Beauchamp would also be an option there as well, someone who went to the G League, G League Ignite program as well. So there, there are plenty of options. Um, it's just figuring out what you like, what you're willing to invest in. And if you're going to trade up, you, you're trading up to get a guy you really, really like. You don't just trade up just to trade up. You, you know, those trades don't get consummated until you know who you're picking at that spot. Um, so you're, if you're trading up, you trade up to get a guy that you really, really like. And so there, there are a few guys that, that have piqued my interest that I need to watch a little bit more tape on. To, you know, per, I'll perfectly admit that. I've been focused on the top of the draft. Uh, but but there are players out there, you know, as, as weak as people may say this draft class is, someone's going to emerge. You know, 30 guys don't just disappear so quickly. So, so someone's going to emerge as, as a quality role player here. Well, based off of history, I don't think we're going to be using both picks <laughs> in no. the second round. I think it's going to, one's getting traded at least. Um, Phil, you kind of already touched on on free agency. Um, obviously, the Magic have got Gary Harris and Robin Lopez hitting unrestricted free agency and Mo Bamba and Bol Bol restricted. What would you like to see the Magic do in free agency? Um, it would like For me, I, I think Gary Harris would be uh, a veteran that's definitely worth bringing in. I think he'd done good things last season. Uh, I think the I think the young players really like him. The same with Robin Lopez. Would you Would you be happy seeing them come back next season? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can bring everybody back. Um, yeah. I, I think I think again, people hate me for saying this. This was still a twenty two win <laughs> team last year. Like like yes, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to be positive about, but there's a lot that this team needs to improve on. And, you know, I, I agree with everyone that, you know, one of the criticisms, criticisms I have of Jeff Weltman was in 2019, they ran the same roster back and like, they kind of spun their wheels a little bit in 2020. Yes. They added Markel Fultz and that was a big boost, but they, they really struggled in 2020 and they kind of topped off. Um, you can't, you can't stand still in this league. Um, you know, if you're standing still, you're falling behind. Um, so you do have to kind of find ways to push this team forward. Um, Having said that, I think Gary Harris would be a great player to bring back. I would absolutely be willing to bring him back. I think he fills a ton of needs that this Magic team has. He's a good worker, was a good veteran for this team, like he said. Um, I think that I think that bringing him back would be a, a really, really good step. Um, looking at the list of centers, um, unless a trade develops, um, I think that there's. I think that bringing back Mo Bamba might ultimately be the best option. You know, one thing the Magic don't have on their books right now are kind of mid-tier contracts. Um, you know, mm -hmm. if you're if you're starting to kind of start playing chess with this a little bit here, um, you look at the trades that that bring in stars, you got to be able to kind of move 
mid-tier contracts along with your kind of big salary guys that you're that you're trading. Uh, if you're looking to make trades, you need contracts at the top end of the scale. You need contracts in the middle end of the scale. You need contracts at the bottom end of the scale. This is a problem that the Boston Celtics had for a little while where they were really kind of top heavy with a lot of their contracts. Uh, they didn't have any of those mid-tier contracts to go add a guy uh, that would help them push to the playoffs. And that was one thing that they did this year. Boston, Boston's not in the NBA finals right now without making that trade for Derek White. Um, so you, you need kind of these mid-level contracts too. And so, you know, again, in that nine to $12 million range right now, the only yeah. one of those that the Magic have you know, Wendell Carter, to some extent, they're not trading him. Um, Terrence Ross, uh, you know, is kind of of that level. He's getting paid, I think, 11 and a half or 11.25 next year. You know, if you could get Mo Bamba back on 8, 9, 10, maybe, maybe I'd go up to 11. Um, you know, kind of a three-year deal, three-year 33 or four-year 44, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, I don't think you're necessarily doing terribly um, on, mm-hmm. on that front. Um, obviously, you know, something you gotta be worried about is Mo's probably gonna be coming off the bench. The magic are probably going to be starting whoever they draft alongside Wendell Carter. Um, so you're, you're paying that premium for a backup that you're hoping to move around. But again, you know, I think back to Oh nine, like one of the reasons why the magic re-signed Marcin Gortat, um, they signed Brandon Bass. They, they added all these players. Um, it was not just because they could, it was because that would enable them to make trades if they needed to, to bail, to dump and bail ship. Um, or 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 make any move down the line to, to improve their roster. And obviously, they made the wrong trade with that. Um, you know, you know, they they I think they panicked and made a bad trade with all those assets, and they eventually traded away all those assets for nothing. But mm-hmm. the point I always make about that is, okay, you just want to be in position to make those trades. Uh, and again, like I I think I said this after the nineteen season uh, when people were talking about maybe trading Aaron Gordon for Russell Westbrook it was like I don't think that's the deal that I would do. But being able to say the Magic can make that kind of a deal. That's a good thing. That's where you want this team to be. And you hope that another year in the playoffs would enable you to go out and make that trade to kind of push this team to the, to the next level. Obviously that didn't happen. And, and I think there's, there's fair criticism to make about that as well. So I, I think this is really a summer, you know, where the magic are going to use their cap room strategically. Um, it's not necessarily going to be done or they're not necessarily going to use their, their space this year to make this year's roster. I mean, they'll make this year's roster better, but it's not necessarily about making the final product better. It's about setting up the, the chessboard a little bit to be able to take that next step or be able to move quickly if the team outpaces expectation, if the team suddenly looks a lot better than maybe we all think. So it's going to be an interesting summer. I, I don't know what to predict. You know, obviously I don't know. It's hard to say what trades are going to happen and what yeah. what teams are going to be looking for, but there's going to be a lot of action this offseason, I think. I, I, I don't think it's going to be quite offseason for Orlando. If you, we've obviously seen uh, on Twitter and uh, Instagram, I think it was Orlando Magic Daily being quoted, which was we saw your your the response of saying, we, this is nothing to do with us, we absolute fake um, for Zion Williams to train the number one pick. There's one on Bleacher Report I think is quite interesting, that uh, the Magic deal with Toronto uh, in free agency. Uh, and take a run at getting OG in from them. Uh, the suggestion is that we sign and trade Mobamba, Tumor, and our 2023 first round Chicago pick. Would that be the sort of thing that would interest you? Yeah, yeah, potentially, potentially for sure. You know, I think, I think an idea that I've had um, for this roster is, you know, I've kind of like the idea that I've had and, and what I'd like to see the Magic do with some of this cap room 
um, is go find their Gordon Hayward. Um, you know, one thing that I like that Charlotte did, um, you know, they, they pushed in a little bit too much. You know, I think the Terry Rozier contract was a little rich. I know Magic fans wanted to grab Terry Rozier at that time too. And I was just like, I, I don't see it. Um, you know, again, he's very good. And I think he'd help this team a lot. Um, but I, what, one thing I really liked that Charlotte did was they acquired Gordon Hayward. They knew he was on a bad contract, but they just wanted a veteran guy. They just wanted a veteran player who could score and kind of stabilize the team while the young guys developed. Um, obviously, injuries have kind of derailed that idea. But, I, but you know, I, I really think that, A, LaMelo Ball obviously pushed that team to a new level. But oh. Gordon Hayward, I think, really proved when he's healthy to be a really kind of stabilizing force for that team and help make that team better. Um the idea that I've kind of been toying around with is, is, is kind of like that. You go find a guy that can get you 20 a night now and can kind of make your team competitive every night uh, while allowing young players beneath him or around him to play roles and kind of develop more slowly. Um, you know, there's going to be times where they're going to have to be pushed to the floor. There's going to be times where they're going to be bursting, bursting a little bit and you let that ride, but you still have that kind of veteran consistency that you can rely on night in and night out. Um, and then eventually, you know, you overpay for him. You're overpaying for him a little bit, but toward the back end of his contract, he's perfectly capable of playing a role when those young guys take over. Like Gordon Hayward is not the best player on Charlotte anymore. When he signed with Charlotte, he was their best. He was their best player. He was their leading scorer. Now he's taking. Now when he's healthy, at least he takes that back seat. Um, you know, there's other guys out there scoring, but he's still there, spacing the floor, doing what he does just that kind of a lower at a lower scale. And, and he's still helping that team win when he plays. Um, that's kind of where I think the magic are at. I've, I, I have toyed with the idea. Um, and I think the magic should 100% do this, even if it's, it's, it's a fool's errand, go get a meeting with Zach Levine. Like, I don't think the magic should sign Zach Levine, but they have the money to go sign a max guy. Like I, I don't, I, I, if you sign Zach Levine, you're immediately a playoff team. That's that, that'd be the best score. The magic have had, that'd be the best pure score. The magic have had since Tracy McGrady. Um, the thing with him though is he'd be your he'd be you'd, you'd go to him and say hey look you're going to be carrying the load you know doing what you've been doing in Chicago doing what you were doing in Minnesota the first two years of this four year deal by the second half by the back half of that two year of that four year deal our guys will be ready and you're going to help bring these guys along you'll have Franz Wagner who's ready to score you'll have whoever we draft with the number one pick you know Jabari Smith Powell Bancaro Chet Holmgren you'll have that guy who's ready to carry the load you've worked with Wendell Carter you know how good Wendell Carter can be. You'll have the pieces around you to be a really competitive team and will be able to kind of ease your load and you won't have to carry this team as much on the back half of that contract. Now, yeah. if I'm Zach Levine, I'm not leaving Chicago unless I'm going to a playoff contender. I'm not leaving Chicago for a rebuilding situation. Like that, that, that would be, if he did that, that'd be crazy. And, and I think there's real concerns about the knee issue and the knee injury where he wouldn't be able to kind of carry this team in the way that, that, that I'm proposing early on in his career, you, you, you'd be pushing a lot of chips into the middle of the table. So I'm not saying yeah. that the magic should do that, but a hundred percent, go get that meeting, go get in the room with a top, with a top free agent. You have the, you have the money to throw around. I wouldn't do this for miles bridges. I wouldn't do this. Um, you know, for, you know, maybe you do it for Kyrie Irving. I, I'm, I don't, I don't really want to deal, deal with that. Um, as, right. as friendly as, <laughs> as, as the state of Florida might be to, uh, to Kyrie Irving here. Um, but I, I, I don't think that would be good for the team's culture. Um, Go, but go, go throw your money around, go show that, Hey, we're, we're serious. We're really serious about making this team better uh, and, and trying to get in, in the room with these guys. If anything, you'll build a relationship with the, with the agent um, to, 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 for the next guy that he has, that's mm -hmm. gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna hit the market or you'll prove to, to, to the rest of the league that, Hey, 
We're serious about getting better. We're serious about, we believe our team is ready for this responsibility. Um, and, and I think that can be power. That can be a powerful message sent to the league uh, as well. So, you know, again, I don't know who that player is. It's probably someone that they grab in a trade. It's probably someone that we don't really expect or aren't super excited about. I've thrown the idea about TJ Warren around. Um, I think coming off the foot injury, that probably wouldn't be a good idea either. Uh, but there, there's a guy, there's a guy out there, there's a veteran out there that can give this team the stability to make them a play in tournament team very, very quickly. Um, but can then take a step back when the young guys are ready to take over. And, and, that, and that's, that's kind of the, 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 the dream that I have for this year's free agency. Yeah. yeah. You just imagine the Bulls fans, if we signed Levine and then. <laughs> some some major, some major well. 3D chess there, major 3D chess. That's awesome. But it's kind of what you said about uh, the, the trade scenario it, when we looked a few years ago about Aaron Gordon for uh, for somebody, for, for trading for Russell Westbrook. You're just putting yourself in that conversation, aren't you? Just putting yourself in that position to to get better, which is the, the important thing. Um, obviously, it's going to be a, a massive few weeks for the Magic. Uh, we're hosting another watch party for the NBA draft, as we did a few weeks ago for the lottery on Thursday, the 23rd of June. Uh, it was technically Friday morning for us. Um, so uh, <laughs> At least, we'll at least ho- you won't be up that late. <laughs> well, I'm sure there'll be one or two that will be interested to see what we do with those second round picks and uh, trade up for the Kings for number four, because that's the sort of thing the Kings would do, I think. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we're hosting another watch party on Zoom. So if you are not going to the Amway Centre and you'd like to join us, uh, chat Magic Basketball, have a few drinks and watch the draft unfold, you can visit our website, orlandomagicuk.com forward slash events, and you can fill in the form there and sign up for our watch party. All the descriptions will be in the podcast as well. Uh, Phil, thank you very much for joining yeah. us. Um, we really appreciate you uh, jumping back on. It's been it's been a while, and uh, hopefully we'll get to catch up with you in October when we're all over. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Would love would love to do that. Uh, did you want to plug your credentials for everybody listening? Yeah, a- absolutely. If if you don't if you don't already listen, uh, my podcast is Locked On Magic. Uh, we've been really busy this week. Uh, I, was, I spoke with uh, Locked On Auburn Zach Blackerby. Um, I spoke with Locked On Gonzaga's Andy Patton. Monday we'll be doing an episode uh, with Locked On Duke's um, J. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. I apologize, JJ. I know his first name is JJ. Um, we'll be doing a podcast on on Paolo Bancaro. So we'll get we're getting the the lowdown on all of the top prospects from people who watch them every day. That's that's actually a question I'm asking yeah. everyone: is what's something yeah. that you notice about this player uh, watching him day to day that we wouldn't notice if we're just dropping in? So if you if you want to learn more about these top prospects, um, these podcasts are going to be really 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 helpful for you guys. Um, so there, there were throughout the week, you can go to locked on magic, um, uh, wherever you download podcasts. We also, we're also on YouTube as well. So subscribe there. You can follow my writing at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD, as well as at O magic daily. I'm very, very responsive. I will always talk to you guys. Uh, if you have a question, I will always, I will usually always answer. Um, so definitely drop me a line. I always smile when Phil reels that off because I've heard that hundreds <laughs> of times. It's brilliant. <laughs> It's very good. Well, uh, thank you as always for listening and watching. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, all at Orlando Magic UK. So from Gary, Paul, Philip, and myself, until next week, go Magic.